Welcome to Becoming Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Campbell. I'm a doula in Washoe County, Nevada, a Medicaid provider, a lactation educator, childbirth educator, and mom of 18. You can find me and connect on doulainreno.com. Remember, give a shout out to those who are brave enough to share their stories with us on how they have become parents. Let's dive in. Becoming Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Campbell, and I am here with Isha Crossagrande. And I'm so excited because this is, you're somebody I actually know. Like in person, we hug, we yes. see each other. Yes. How are you? I am fabulous today. I'm good. Going with the flow. I love just, you know, being around amazing women like yourself that are inspiring. I love that we get something from everybody, right? All the contact yeah. we have. So, yay. I want you to jump in and share your parenting journey with us. It seems like it was a million years ago. Because <laughs> it kind of was. Yeah. yeah. My son is 24 years old and um it was really an interesting um journey in the beginning. It took me about two and a half years to get pregnant with him. And I was very much this woman such a different woman than I, that I am now. I was in, um, corporate America, very like everything's here's planned. Here's how we do it. So when I decided I wanted to be pregnant and it didn't happen for two and a half years, it turned into a very upsetting journey, very, very upsetting journey. Um, right before we started trying in vitro and things like that, I wound up getting pregnant and then I went through being sicker <laughs> that I had ever been. I was so miserable through my pregnancy that, I mean, I remember just wanting it to be over. Like I just couldn't handle it. I was like, this is just too much for me. And so it was really hard. You know, did, did you have morning sickness or all day sickness? Like I did awful. I don't I know. Threw up, do it more than once. <laughs> I threw up violently for 16 to 20 weeks, violently, like six times was a good day. I went in for IVs every single week. Oh. I, I, it's the stupidest, it's like, why would you ever do that more than once? I did. It was awful. It was awful. I just had a system where I had to have other people driving more. I did less during that time. I got IVs once a week, which helped. And like, I learned what things you could eat that came up well. Oh, Protein I shakes, right? It's like chocolate milk. I gained Easy. 75 pounds because the only thing that made me feel good was potatoes. So I just, it's amazing. I can eat a tater tot today because I ate <laughs> honey nut Cheerios. I'm sure some pregnant woman came up with honey nut Cheerios. That's all I could eat was potatoes and honey nut Cheerios. So I went through my pregnancy and, you know, I was, I was so scared. And I actually woke up one night in the middle of the night with blood everywhere. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is happening. And my husband at the time, my son's dad was in Malaysia. So he was like far away. And I remember calling the doctor on call and they were like, it sounds like you're having a miscarriage. And I was destroyed. And I remember sitting there in bed, just thinking, what is happening? Isn't this how we all get here? Isn't it supposed to be easier than this? And I remember sitting in my bed and I just was like, God, this is all you. I have never given anything away more to God, more in a moment where it's just like, I, I, this is totally out of my control and you just have to take it and, and do what you want to do with it. And I went to the doctor the next morning. So I was probably just through my first trimester going into my second trimester. And amazingly, everything was fine. It was a totally fluke kind of thing. Everything was fine. And, and my son is here today. So my pregnancy, I gained 75 pounds. Um, my baby shower 
I remember I cut off all my hair. I had really long hair. I went crazy, cut off my hair. I had him in July. I was so hot and red all the time. And I wore red lipstick and a red dress to my baby shower. And so we all joke around now saying the time that I dress like a tomato, because <laughs> I just looked like a giant tomato. So then when I had my son, um, I actually, um, I had him naturally. I did have him in the hospital. I was born at home. I've shared that story with you. My parents are hippies. I was born on the dining room table, which I have upstairs, which I can, I can show you. I meant to, to sit up there, but it's been crazy today. But, um, I had, so I had him naturally. Can I cuss on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, okay. it's, uh, explicit exactly. for any content. Okay. After I had my son, I was in labor for 36 hours. <laughs> I was in false labor. I had my son 10 days early. So I was in false labor and my doctor, a lot of people know who he was here. Dr. Honeycutt, he's passed away since then. And you either loved him or hated him. He had the worst bedside manner. He married like five of his, do you know who he is? Five of no, his. but this is great. He, but he loved me and his nurses loved it. When I came in, they're like, oh, you can handle him. Like nobody can. And I could make him blush. And here's a man who, I mean, I would just, ask questions and whatever. And there's times he'd get so close to me. I'd be like, don't even try to kiss me right now. Like I would just be, and now I tell people that and they're like, that sounds awful. And I'm like, oh, it was hilarious. Cause it took away all the scariness of it. I gained so much weight. He was so bad when I say these, but he was such a great man. Again, I loved him. I remember, I remember him coming in and there was a point where I didn't want to know how much I weigh anymore. <laughs> when I hit that 200 mark. I was like, I don't even care anymore. So I don't even know what I weighed when I finally gave birth because I just didn't even care anymore. So he'd walk in the room and I would just moo. <laughs> moo. <laughs> he said to me, if you didn't eat another thing through the rest of your pregnancy, you know, your baby will be fine, right? And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> so I get to the hospital. I'm in false labor. I was at Wild Waters with my friends and I'm having contractions like three minutes apart. And they're all like, uh, yeah, we think you're in labor. And so we um, go in, I'm in false labor. Well, he was getting ready to go on vacation. And I looked at my I said, you have to promise me I'm going to have this baby before you go on vacation. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm very sure. In comes the Pitocin. So oh. in comes the Pitocin. During my uh, birth, the doctor, the anesthesiologist, because I, I wasn't sure if I wanted an epidural or not. I was scared. I was like, you know, my mom had passed away. So I really didn't know what, what was going to happen. So they, yeah, I did wind up, they put the needle in my back to do the epidural. And then I decided no. So I went through all the stuff of getting it. And then I just didn't even have it. And, but he stuck himself with my needle. So then they stopped everything. He jabbed himself and we're having AIDS tests and all these things. And I'm like, what is happening right now? So I wind up having my son and doc, it was just Dr. Honeycutt, my, um, my husband and, um, and one nurse. And I remember after having him and I looked at Dr. Honeycutt and I was like, you know what? I am never fucking doing that again. <laughs> and he's like, everybody says that. I'm like, oh no, I promise you. I'm never fucking doing that again. Any of it, none of it, not the pregnancy, not the thing. And you know what? Never again did I even consider doing it. I was one and done. And, and that was it for me. It was brutal. So during my son's first year, first six weeks, his dad, I'm not with his dad anymore. So this is my ex-husband. The first year of his life, he gets into a motorcycle accident, breaks his collarbone, completely destroys. He's in the hospital for weeks. He could not hold our newborn 
for probably the first three months of his life. So here I'm a new mom. I'm a stay-at-home mom. So I gave up my career and everything. Now I have this husband who he's just sitting around drinking and blah, blah, blah. So he's depressed, right? So through this year, we wind up at Blake's first birthday. We wind up splitting up because all these things had happened. And we split up, divorced. During that year, he had gone from in his job from making a little bit of money to like a million dollars that year. So we had a bunch of cash. So we split the cash. I bought a house. We get back together. We move in together. We get remarried and we file for divorce again, all within the next, within the second year of my son. So like the whole experience of getting pregnant, being pregnant and that first couple of years was just like, no, I'm never, never doing this again, you know, never doing it. So it took a while. It took, it's, I think back now and back then postpartum wasn't something that we talk about as much, but I definitely think back on it. Cause you know what? I didn't even feel super connected to him. I didn't even think he was that cute for a while. And I feel bad. He was very long and skinny and he looks like a little old man and had the baby acne and the whole thing. And I'm like, really, this is <laughs> all that I went through for this. And then of course he got gorgeous and adorable and he's amazing now, but but it took me a while to just even connect with him. And then once I did, it was really cool. And him and I had, and still continue to have something very special. He was um, so into me, such a mama's boy, but in the right way, like he wanted to be real social, but he wanted us to be together and do things together that other moms were always like, how do you get him like that? Like, how, how do you have this relationship with him? He was just, he loved hanging out with me and he's still like that. We like to just hang out. It's really fun. I love that. I think it's important. You touched on a few things. One, like a good doctor makes a big difference. And so it is about fitting your personality to that doctor because there are doctors now, you know, there's one that I work with a lot as a doula and she really puts people off. And every time I work with her, I just laugh because I don't think she means to be abrasively passive aggressive. Like, I, I think she's just trying to be helpful in the way she states things, but I'm like, oh, that could have been delivered better. But yeah. I love her because I never have to question where she's coming from. And so people are like, I don't know about her. And I'm like, oh, see, I like that. Yeah. So you really have to find the people, the person that you work well with. That, and that's a big deal. And it doesn't mean that it looks the same for you as somebody else. So that was a great thing to bring up. And... Pitocin's horrible. I love oh. that you wanted the epidural, but then you were like, actually not. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So you end up having a natural birth and we don't, not everybody connects instantly with their baby. Like it's the best thing that ever happened. And 24 years ago, we did not talk about that mm -hmm. at all. We didn't talk about, we still don't talk about that stuff a lot, but I have a lot of PMADs it's called, you know, um, but basically depression, anxiety, anger, and rage postpartum. Um, and some that can spill over into the dad having some of those feelings. He doesn't have the hormones and the same emotions, but can still feel that sense of disconnect or depression or almost loss of the life you had before. Yeah. So there's a lot more options and information now. There was like none back then. So mm -hmm. I'm glad that you recognize it and admitted it because looking at this child and thinking, huh, not what I was planning on feeling here. And I never <laughs> said that back then. Nobody knew right. that I felt that way. I mean, I definitely kept it to myself, but now I think back on it and I'm like, you know, 
that was different. You know, and I think it's so amazing that this is how we all get here. And what an intense thing that it is that we go through. And you feel like you're the only one that's ever experienced this. You know, it really was a bizarre, it's just really, I think, a bizarre thing that your body does and how risky it is and all the things. And like, this is what happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, how many kids have you actually birthed? Four. I was pregnant seven times. I lost three and I gave birth to four and all of them naturally. But with my first, the hospital finally warmed me down to get the epidural. You know, you're young. I felt alone. I whatever. And um, I said, yes, but my anesthesiologist came in, put the needle in, took it out and said, she's pushing. And so I also like, I had a, the needle put in and taken right back out and never got the epidural. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the things that I realized, like, when you're worn down, when you want it a certain way and they wear you down, there's a point you're just going to give in because I adamantly did not want it. Like the whole idea terrified me and I still got worn down, but you know, so you have to be educated and know what you can, what well, you want. And I think that my mom, you know, since my mom had me at home and then my brother was actually born, he's 14 months younger than me. He was born in a hospital, but with the same midwife that delivered me. So it was, you know, that kind of experience. And I think that kind of helped me be like, you know, I'm not sure that I want drugs because 24 years ago, that was the big push. Like, I'm sure probably right. too, like, why be in pain? Why do you want to go through that? Where I'm like, you know, I, I kind of want, I want to feel this. I want to feel what this feels like. You know? Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that that's great though, that you brought that up. You actually were like, yeah. And then no. And I think making that switch probably gave you that like courage and determination to get through the rest of that labor and yeah. get it done and have it naturally. And it's something different for all of us, but that, but that was, that's awesome. And I don't think, I mean, often they put that baby on you and it's pretty euphoric, but then you have to do like the daily stuff and daily stuff's not as exciting or fun, you know, and that connection like doesn't always happen. No. And I remember just thinking, this is what I signed up for. Like, you know, it's just, it's really a bizarre, um, a bizarre time. And like I said, it, then it got really good. And, um, and then it was, I'm really glad I got to be home with him for, for several years, but then he's really social. He, so as he got older, he needed to do something that I would work part-time and opened up my business. And, um, so it was really, really good balance. Like we had good balance, but I also shared him. So, you know, oh, right. Yeah. So when I had him, I had him a hundred percent. And then mm -hmm. when I did is when I did the things. So it was, you know, that was really a big thing. I, I rarely used a babysitter unless I really had to, because I just didn't need it. I just scheduled my life around. And so it was, that part was really kind of cool where I really got to be a mom when I was mom, but I still got to be me. So yeah. I always looked at it like I kind of have the best situation out of the worst situation, right? I have the best scenario out of the worst situation. I felt the same way when I was divorced. I mean, I remember when the kids left one of the first times and I was like a little lost and alone, right? And one of my kids called me and said, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm in a tank top and underwear sitting on the couch, eating ice cream out of the container, watching a movie that's inappropriate for you. And they were like, what? And I'm like, that's where we're at. Like, because I can. And figuring out like, who, who are you outside of being a mom? Um, you know, because they're not there. They're completely absent for that half the time. And it is the best of a 
situation that I would have rather not had. Right. Mm -hmm. It's the best of the worst situation. Same thing. But I did like those times that I was in my underwear and a tank top on the couch watching inappropriate movies, eating ice cream out of a container. But it was also really nice to be able to enjoy him too. Like when he came back. Right. And we did one of the things that I really wanted when I was pregnant is I wanted to have a family that sat down to dinner all the time. My parents were total hippies and we didn't really do that. And that was really a big thing for me. And, um, so even when he was in a high chair, I would, when he was a baby, I would sit and have my meal with him. And we still do to this day, we have meals together. And it's funny at times as he was growing up, he'd kind of fight it. And I'm like, listen, we don't have to sit here for half an hour, but five minutes, we're going to sit down. So we'll eat fast, but I want to hear about your day. And now as he's older, he's like, you know, I'm so glad that we did that. Like, mom, can I come over? Can we just sit and have dinner together and turn everything off? And so I feel like that is something that I did really, really well as a mom to instill that. And I bet you that he will do that with his children someday. When you had him, did you, like, I remember this moment where it was Christmas and my daughter, my first daughter was seven months old. And I thought I can make this anything I want like this. Every tradition, every I'm the same with dinners. We used to do conversation starters. Two of my kids this week texted me about that specifically. So it must be something in the air like, mm-hmm. hey, where did you get these conversation starters? Where did you learn to do this? Because they're having their own families. And um, I just realized that that Christmas, I can make everything any way I want it. It's not about how my parents did it. It's not about the bad the baggage it's not about like i it's a clean slate when you become a parent you can do anything you want did you ever have that moment and decide to do things a certain way like dinner um that was probably the big thing you know i think my upbringing was so different from how my son was raised because my parents my dad is a musician like when i was born he was playing with ike and tina turner so my and my mom was a singer so they're total hippies. Like they lived on hippie communes with the grateful dead. Like when I, so when I ran into people that knew my mom, so my mom passed away 30 years ago, this, this um, year. So I was 22 when she passed away. And when I ran into people that met her, they're like, I remember the first time I met your mom on this hippie commune and she was about to give birth to you. And she was naked, just walking around. And I'm like, okay. So, but with music comes drugs and partying and the whole thing. So I was really raised in this environment where there were a lot of people around all the time. There was music around and people were drinking and there were drugs and things that I would walk into that I didn't really understand what it was when I was younger. But boy, when I got a little older, I sure knew I learned real quick to do those things because it was very easy um, to have. But my parents, so it was a very strange upbringing. They were very, very loving. There was a lot of love, but it was kind of chaos all the time. And so for me with Blake, I really wanted it to be about him and I, I really wanted to experience what it was like. I wanted to give him the family that I never really got to have. And so then when I wound up divorced from his dad, which marrying him twice was really awesome because guess what? I was able to walk away and go, you know what? I I don't want to be with you. And I'm a better parent when I'm not with you, when I can do it my way. And it took away all the anger and hatred. Cause it's like, all right, we tried twice. It just, it's not good for us. So, you know, I really just got to focus on him. And that was kind of nice too. Like being a single mom is it's so hard in so many ways, but it's also kind of fabulous because guess what? You're not competing for any attention with your child. Like you kind of get to have 
this different connection. Um, you know, I'm definitely an optimist. I look at the good. I see the good more than the bad for the most part. Sometimes it takes work, but I was just like, you know, if this is, this is the way it is, then I'm going to make it as great as it can be with him. And so, you know, I rode bikes with him to school every day through sixth grade. He wanted me to walk him up to the door. I laid in bed with him until he fell asleep every night until the day that it was over. Like I thought I can do this. And it was really funny. So when I used to nurse him, I nursed him for 14 months. He never, ever took a bottle. He, oh, and it's funny. I still can feel milk. Yeah. Coming about it. It's real. I'm surprised I've never had milk come out. The nurses used to tell me I would have been a perfect net wet nurse. I had so much milk and my son would nurse in less than five minutes. And then he was done, ready to move on to something else. So it was amazing. I had a Ford expedition when they first came out and I just climb in the back and nurse him. And then off we'd go. Like it was just so easy. And I was so skinny and my boobs were so big. I looked so good. My metabolism had never been better ever I right? where it had never been better, but, um, he, so he was just, um, super, super easy, but he used to hold on to my neck. So all this, he, even now he's like, that's my fault. I'm like, yes, it is. Cause he would hold on to my neck and he would massage it. That was his thing. And even as we'd be out, like he'd be, we'd be on a field trip and here's all the kids and all the moms. And he'd come running over to me, mom, let me hold your neck. And he'd stand there. So instead of a hug, he'd, he'd just hold my neck and then he'd run off, but he'd just check in every once in a while and hold on to my neck. It was just the funniest thing, but it was his thing. And he only did it to a handful of people in his life, but it was always something with me. So we even laugh about it now. I'm always like, you see that? You, that's you. You did that. You did that to me. He but grew up, crazy. obviously, but he's 24. Crazy. He's 24 now. And so as he grew up and you split custody, take us through that because at some point also you became an entrepreneur and I'm not sure when that happened with you. Yeah, he was two. So it was okay. after he, when he was two years old, I opened up my first store, two to three, probably closer to three at that time. And um, I'm a wardrobe consultant. I opened up a storefront um, that he used to come and hang out. We bought a house and converted it into a boutique. And so he kind of knew... Um, he just kind of was part of that whole experience. And I've taught jazzercise for 20 years. He's come to jazzercise classes with me. Like he's just always kind of been a part of it. And even over the years, as he got older, he has worked for me. So it's kind of nice. Like he's very much that entrepreneur mindset now. Um, so it was great when he was younger. Um, and then, you know, we hit some bumps in the road. He was the perfect, perfect child, perfect straight A student, everything amazing. And then when he was 17, and it's so funny when he tells this, I looked at him one day, I'm like, well, I can see you finally started your period. <laughs> like that's, He's like, mom, I can't believe you said that to me. Like he almost died, but he, um, he got mixed up in drugs and then it went really bad for a long time. And still now, seven years later, we're still, there's still consequences for choices that he made back then. So everything that was so perfect and so wonderful, just completely, he turned into a completely different person. And I didn't put it together at first. I didn't know. So when mm -hmm. I told him he started his period, I thought, oh, the hormones are raging and kicking in. I had no idea what was going on, which surprised me because of yeah. my background. I thought for sure I'm going to know. And I had no idea. No idea. How supportive was his dad through this? I mean, because like life's happening. You guys split up when he was two. This is 17. There's 15 years in there. How was your relationship with him? And because you still do have to co-parent, you know, and um, his support. It wasn't it wasn't great. And Blake does not have a great relationship with him. I think now that mm -hmm. he's 
older. It's not bad. I think he's more surprised when he sees his dad and, and he feels good from it. Um, his dad is just his, his dad. I met, I was 18 years old. His dad was 20. He's exactly the same guy. So now he's in his fifties and he rides dirt bikes and listens to heavy metal and plays video games. So Blake, from the time he was like 10 years old, he's like, you know, I'm a lot more mature than my dad. I'm like, Oh, I know. So, <laughs> so it wasn't a bad thing. Cause we were so strong where there were periods that it was hard on Blake, but, but for the most part, you know, the hardest thing for me where I was like, what I say, like, I mean what I say. So if I say not to do up until that 17, you know, he believed me and I would tell him, I'm like, what will happen if you make bad choices when he was younger? And he goes, you'll remove everything from my room. You'll leave a mattress in the middle and there'll be a book of your choice for me to read. I'm like, do you believe that that'll happen? He goes, yes, I do. So it was great when he was younger, when he was a kid, he would put himself in timeout. I would hear him crying. And I'm like, what is going on? And I come downstairs and he'd be sitting in the corner and I'm like, what is going on? And I'm like, all right, well, I guess stay there until you think that you've learned your lesson, you know, as I'm trying not to laugh, like he had a really good conscience until, until his conscience got removed from drugs. So, you know, and, but, but what was crazy is almost like a functioning alcoholic. He was a functioning drug addict for a while. Yeah still in high school, he was getting straight A's. He did not have to work hard at anything because it came so natural to him. But then he just completely went off the deep end, like so bad. I'm looking at the time frame, and this is like seven years ago. So it was pre-COVID that he got into it drugs. Pre -COVID. It was pre-COVID. Okay. And so and then, then, okay. So then when COVID happened, so he was in college, but he was yeah. falling okay. apart. He was falling apart at the seams. And I really like, I'm a rescuer, right? And, and at this point I had moved to San Diego. He's in college. So now I'm getting phone calls. I'm getting on flights thinking, oh my gosh, I have to go rescue him. And I, and it cost me so much money. And I would go to the university and try to help him get things figured out. Cause he would make, you know, mess him up. And again, I didn't really know what was going on. So then when COVID happened, then it just, it went bonkers. He, he was a full ride scholarship and he lost everything because he just quit. He just quit. He's like, I'm not going to do it this way. And, um, at that point he started working for me because I thought, well, I have to teach him how to be an entrepreneur. And at this time he was admitting that he was on drugs, trying to get off drugs, but I'm telling you like over and over and over and over. And I didn't want to believe it was what was happening. And it was really bad. And it got to the point where I was waiting to get the phone call that he had either committed suicide or overdose. And still to this day, I'm still blown away that he survived, especially based on what's happening in the world right now. And him and I talk about it now because he's like, it is amazing that 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 never happened. And he he was depressed. And and um, but last time, the last time I got a phone call, I flew in and he couldn't get out of a bathtub. He literally, like, he just could not handle it. His, his anxiety, everything. And when he got in the car, I said, this is it. I said, I'm the last person that's going to help you. And today it ends. And we go to the hospital and you agree to tell them everything and I'll be there for you, but I want to know it all. And it's time. And if they want to send you to rehab, you're going. And he agreed. And we went to the hospital and it was really crazy because he was ready. He'd been trying to get off drugs. He was taking a lot of Xanax. And when I say Xanny bars, like street Xanny's like 25, 30 a day. Oh yeah. Wow. How and can you drinking and then that? taking other stuff on top of it. So he just couldn't even function anymore. So we went to the hospital. They were awful to him. 
they were like, oh, another opioid, another kid who's made the bad choices. He was so sick. He was diagnosed with cyclical vomiting. So he can vomit on command now. That is actually a way, like he had eating disorder, like everything. They, um, he had eaten so many Tums when they did his blood work. They were like, your little, your heart's going to stop working. There's so much calcium in your body. So they admitted him to the hospital and put him on an IV train to flush out. So he didn't have to go to rehab, but they literally helped him detox for a week and then gave him, then helped him wean off of Xanax, medical grade Xanax. And he did it. So he has been clean since then, but I will tell you my sweet poor child will never be the same. His anxiety takes over and he gets so sick. He just went through, he's like, I just went through one of the worst times in the last um, three years. And it's so painful as a parent to like find that balance where like that day, thank God he took me serious because I was like, I can't live like this anymore. And he's an adult now. And I, I love him, but I, I can't. And that is such a hard place to be with your kids of just like, I, I I just have to like let him make the choices. So fortunately, he's alive and well and doing well, but he is paying the price and he knows it. He knows it. Yeah. I've I've had the same experience with one of my kids. One of the hardest parenting moments was at 16 after a suicide attempt because I oh. taught suicide awareness in foster care. I was t- I was training parents. I spent 15 years in foster care. Um and I peeled her off of me with the help of the nurse and he held her down and I turned and walked away. And since then though, like she, like you said, where this is the one you wouldn't be less sad. It's not about that, but you expect that call. And for years I was like, if I don't get that call, I'm going to be totally surprised. And we hit that point. I'm like, stop calling your family and friends, including me in the middle of the night. You need to admit yourself to the hospital the next time. We aren't responsible for your mental health. And you, your addictions, we're not responsible for that. We're not trained for that. We, sh- we are not the ones that you should call. You need to decide to get help on your own. Cause you're not, you're not under 18 anymore. Cause she's like, is this going to be an intervention where you drag me somewhere? And I'm like, no, you're an adult. You got to drag yourself. I'm happy to meet you there if you're getting help, but otherwise I don't want the phone call again. And that is you. I think for me, when my husband and I talked about it, he's like, if you got the call right now that she had committed suicide or this, she overdosed, whatever, would you look back and think that there was something else you could have done? And so as a parent, you have to hit the point where there's nothing else you could have done and you need to disconnect and have boundaries from that because it is the most awful thing. I totally feel you on that. It's awful. You know, so parenting is like, it's, it's really amazing. But then when they get older, like he's my friend now, I'm his girlfriend. Yeah. It's just a very different thing. And it's he, like, he likes to hang out with me. Him and his girlfriend want to come over and have dinner. They want to go walk the dogs together. You know, they have animals too. And, and it's just fun. You know, I've always told parent like people, women that I know that have gotten pregnant when their kids are little and they're like, oh, I just want to hang on to this age. I'm like, you know what? Just enjoy each age. Don't be wishing yeah. something different. Every single year is a completely different experience. And it's like, I feel like I lived more in the moment with him growing up than I have ever in my whole life. You know, I'm always, especially being in business for myself, I'm always thinking ahead. And what do I yeah. have to do to get this? Where when he, when I got to just be with him, it was just really a cool thing. And I only did it once. That's it. I never get to have that experience again, you know? So, um, yeah. Yeah. 
Talk to me about, you started the business when he was two to three, and now he's 24. So we've got like 21 years of entrepreneurship. So I want you to dive into um, a little bit, like the kind of the history of where you started and where you're at now, um, kind of tying that together, because you still are kind of doing the same, you're doing yeah. the same thing in a different yeah. way, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we opened up the the boutique and um, I actually do not love doing retail. I really don't. And so once we had the boutique going in here in Reno, Nevada, no, there were no boutiques really at that time. So I had the opportunity to start doing some big things. So I started putting on fashion shows. I started bringing um, designers into town. I started like when America's Next Top Model came out, I did this whole model search thing, Reno's Next Top Model and got in trouble from Fox TV. And then they came to me and said, you know what? We'd like you to host a couple of shows and will you help us on America's Next Top Model? So they used to fly everybody in here for me to train them before they went on the show. So it was kind of interesting. I'm one of those people where I'm like, I'm gonna put it all out there and I'm gonna say yes to everything. I'm gonna try new things. And if people say no, whatever, then I'll just try something else, right? So my whole business has evolved and my whole business is teaching women, specifically women. I, I do work with some men, but how to feel confident and I do that through fashion, food, fitness, faith, and fun. So fashion, I always say, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. It's how you feel and what you're wearing so that you feel confident dressing for yourself. What makes you feel good food? I love food. I love to eat. If I wasn't so vain, I would eat all the time. I'd be big. <laughs> I would, if I can, it'd be Mexican food, burritos all day long, every day, every day. Yep. Um, but no, I love to nourish my body. So I really, I love to cook and I cook a lot of stuff is vegetarian. I don't eat a ton of meat, uh, but I love to cook fitness. I teach jazzercise. I have taught for 20 years and um, actually had the opportunity to go teach at corporate with the founder and all the choreographers for the last six years. And I just bought Reno jazzercise as of December 1st. So I, I just, I love exercise. I love working out. Um, the faith side, I am a a believer in God and Christ. And um, so I run Bible studies and I just think we all need some spirituality and whatever that is for everybody is I'm always happy to talk to people about Jesus and about the Bible, but I'm also like, boy, do you have time in nature? Like you need to connect with something. You have to have some sort of spiritual connection and then fun. I love to have fun. <laughs> so, um, I did start. So what is that? So now my business is online. I used to own the store. I don't have that anymore. My business is online. So actually in my house, I, I do have a, a a little boutique, but I don't carry a lot of stuff. So I sell through things a lot, which is, it makes the retail fun because it pays the bills, um, kind of not so much this last year, but, um, but you know, it's easy for me now. It's like that part's easy, but yeah. my business has expanded into, because I really love connecting women. I really love helping them feel confident. I really, um, I love to watch it all. I love to be an observer where I, I used so much used to be about me. I wanted to be the star of the show, which I do love Give me a microphone. Let me be on stage. That does not scare me at all. I just love it. But as I've gotten older, I just love watching women connect. And I love watching when they start saying the words that I'm saying and that they're feeling it, that they're feeling confident. And, and I just, it just brings me so much joy. And I feel like that is what God has created me to do. So I started the social club. And the social club is a membership subscription where women just get to meet each other. And it's really women in their forties, fifties, and sixties, and it's hundred percent social, but we do all the things, fashion, food, fitness, faith, fun. So we do all those things. So when I bought Jazzercise, 
the studio that I'm in is a very large studio. So I opened the social club. So now we actually have a location. We have all the events that we do. We run jazzercise classes out of there. And then I do pop-ups in there. So it's been kind of fun because everything has kind of come together and, and been here. And what's really amazing is since my son has worked for me in the past and understands all the background, he's still involved in it all and helps me. And it's so great to be able to talk to another entrepreneur that really knows what my business is like. He is, he's like, one of my biggest supporters of anything. And it's really cool because he gets it. He wants to help people feel confident. He wants women to feel confident. And um, so the women love when he's around because it's really <laughs> cool thing. So family business. And now my guy, my, um, I call him my guy. Cause I feel like I'm too old to say my boyfriend, we've been together eight yeah. years and he also, he loves to do pop-ups with me. He loves to see everything I do. Like we wish we could just work together and do it. So um, I feel really like my life is is amazing, but it's not perfect. You know what I mean? It's like, Hey, I wish I had more money. I wish I had more time. I wish I had these things, but I love what I do so much in life. And I love, I just love people. I, I just love life. I just really do. There's so much more good than bad, but boy, we have to make a conscious effort all the time to see the good. And even in parenting, like in all yeah. of it, our relationships, it's very easy to, to, to go into that negative space and it takes work it takes the same amount of work to be positive as it does negative. So it really is a choice. <laughs> you know what? I, that is the perfect way for us to end. Thank you so much for being on Isha. I of course will hug you again when I see you the next Yay. time. So I'm excited. Thank you so much. Thank you.